Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, this time reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from August 6th, 1983, taped on August 3rd, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm the great Brian Last, my pleasure to be with you once again, and joining me as he does each and every week, the menace to society himself. From booking the territory, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing good. We got a, a lot to sort out, Brian, after last week. What the people didn't hear is we went on off air for a little while, and we were talking about the controversial finish with Bundy and Dr. Death Steve Williams. And Brian and I, and all of our vast knowledge of wrestling, we still don't know what the heck happened and whatnot. So we got a lot to try to figure out what's going on. And I will say this as we get into this week's episode. Credit. Bill Watts for if there was a flub of some sort or a botch, he turns it into something really good with what we uh, see on this week. So um, I'll say it like that. Whatever happened last week gets explained in various different ways this week. So great job of recovery from Mid-South Wrestling where there's always a plausible reason things happen. There's always an explanation, something wrestling could use nowadays. But before we get too far on that wavelength, Let's hear the show open. Cowboy Bill Watts and Boyd Pierce, but we're going to go right from the open to a special presentation. The Junkyard Dog being honored in New Orleans. Let's go to this. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce. A great, exciting card. You'll see Steve Dr. Death Williams as he battles Big King Kong Bundy. Also, popular Mr. Wrestling 2 against the Russian star Boris Zerkov. The new Mid-South Tag Team Champions are here, Hacksaw Dugan and Magnum T.A. The North American heavyweight title holder, Hacksaw Butch Reed. It all adds up to a lot of action. Before we start, here's our guest commentator, Cowboy Bill Watts, with some interesting information, Bill. Well, thank you, Boyd. And, of course, there has been some great action in the Mid-South area. Baton Rouge, July the 22nd, had the biggest gate ever in its history. We want to congratulate the people of Baton Rouge and promoter Jimmy Kilshaw and his mother. July 19th, Little Rock, Arkansas, a great one. Morgan City, a little bit of town in Louisiana, had them hanging from the rafters. And, of course, Paul Bosch, the venerable promoter of Houston, July the 29th had a big one. So it seems like that Superdome just kicks everything off to a big, hot summer season. One thing about it, Junkyard Dog may have lost the North American title, but he hadn't lost the loyalty of millions of fans. And the kids of the San G Teen Club in New Orleans had voted him above Michael Sphinx and all the Saints and everybody else as the man they'd most like to have at their big event at the Rivergate July 23rd. Let's watch now as Jerome Johnson, the announcer, and Tex Stevens from Mayor Dutch Morial's office made uh, Junkyard Dog an honorary citizen of New Orleans. Joyce Stullman from the Governor Dave Treen's office made him a colonel in the governor's staff. I think it's a great honor, and Junkyard Dog really enjoyed himself. Let's look at some highlights of that. Here representing the city of New Orleans and the Honorable Mayor Dutch Morial, we have going to present a special award to the Junkyard Dog, Mr. Tex Stevens from the mayor's office in New Orleans. They call him the Junkyard Dog. Let me say this. Hold it, not now. I'll tell you when. He's good for business. I want to thank Mid-South and Jack Curtis and all those wonderful people to allow the Junkyard Dog to come down here. Junkyard Dog visits hospitals to see that the sick or inspired the blind. He is a business enterprise 
and he's just good for the city of New Orleans and the entire state of Louisiana. And I would like to make this presentation to a young man who has dignified himself in his professional specificity. Some people call it wrestling, but I call it wrestling. I would like to introduce to some and present to many, yours for the asking, our indoctrinated citizen, we call him the junkyard dog. Now you can lay it on him. All right. Dog, let me say this. Those young people out there, they pay the taxes to make this presentation available. Isn't it beautiful? On behalf of Mayor Morial, be it known that the mayor of New Orleans has conferred the title of honorary citizen upon the original junkyard dog, signed by all of the members of the city council and the Honorable Ernest Nathan Dutch Moriel, mayor of the city of New Orleans. So we don't want you to go back home. We want you to stay here with us because we're very proud of you. You have added another dimension of life. You've inspired a spiritual indoctrination in the minds of young people. You have also helped to broaden youthful horizons. And also you have built an inner structure, or shall we say an infrastructure of progress not only for yourself, but for the entire city of New Orleans and those wonderful young people out there. Let's lay it on him. One more time. One more time. From the office of the Honorable Governor of State of Louisiana, Governor David C. Treen, we have Ms. Joyce Tillman to present the, uh, to present the award and presentation from the State of Louisiana. Ms. Tillman. Again, I'm happy to be sent here tonight by the governor to present Junkyard Dog a, a merit and award of merit. The governor has proclaimed Junkyard Dog colonel on his staff. You don't, you get, when you get awards like this is because you're doing so many good things. And let's give him a big hand. It's a, it's a great honor to be here, and I think, I'd like to thank Jack Curtis and Lena and the rest of them for getting me here, and I'd like to give thanks to the Lord, my wife, and my kid for making it possible for me to be able to come in to talk to you people. I know maybe I can get a point through just to one, or maybe five or six, but I grew up just like everybody else with nothing. I grew up hard back down in South North Carolina, but I fought, and I'm still fighting, trying to bail on myself. I enjoyed watching that, and I know you folks at home did too. And I'll tell you somebody else who enjoyed it and appreciated it. That's the Junkyard Dog, a tribute to a fine, outstanding athlete and a great raster. We'll be back with more exciting things to come here when action resumes on Mid-South Wrestling. Well, there it is, the open of the show, as well as the ceremony for the Junkyard Dog. It's definitely making me rethink the way I say New Orleans. New Orleans, as everyone who actually lived there said it in that video. Mike? You are from New Orleans. What do you think listening back to this and seeing this video? I didn't take note of it, but um, I think there are. Let me tell you how you don't say it. This is this is the one thing where you know someone is not from there. Although Dog would say it sometime in his promos, New Orleans. Uh, it, when you say it like with that stress, I, I I'm like no. 
I just say New Orleans, New Orleans, or it's so hard. Like some people, like if you were to spell it out, it would be A W L I N S. It just you see a lot of people say Nolans, like it's one word, Nolans. Yes, yes. Um, it just depends. It just depends on who you talk to, and um, depends on where you're from. Actually, in the the state too. I mean, some people say it different even in the state. But you know, I, I, watching his back. I mean, he was honestly he was a New Orleans native to me before this point in 1983. Uh, he was an honorary citizen before that. I didn't really know where he was, quote unquote, from. I mean, they had announced him from Tennessee, if you remember, a few times on uh, some of the earlier TVs that you and I did. So you would hear uh, from Tennessee. I mean, I'd heard he was from numerous places uh, here. You heard him confirm from North Carolina, but South North Carolina. That's right. South North Carolina. That's what he said. I had always just um, saw dog as a New Orleanian. Like that was how I looked at him. Even throughout his career, even when he left, I always felt that he was a New Orleanian. So uh, this is pretty cool, you know, to see this uh, before they even threw to the ceremony where they made dog an honorary citizen of New Orleans. They were talking about the different towns that they go to or they had been to in the Mid-South Territory. Uh, The one that caught my attention most there was uh, Morgan City. There's a really, really good wrestling building in Morgan City. I believe it's the Morgan City Auditorium, or maybe they call it the Civic Center. I'm not quite sure. There's a great building for, like, not only territory wrestling, but pro wrestling today. You got, like, the floor, and on one end there's a stage, and then uh, three sides of the ring are, like, there's, like, a balcony. Or, you know, so it's kind of like a U-shape. There's the, the, the upper lever balcony. Really, really good building for pro wrestling. I mean, can fit a probably. I bet you, you can put about two thousand people in there. Maybe, maybe more. I don't know. It depends on how you configure it with the seats on the floor. Uh, but a great building. So I, I kind of liked how Watts went around. He was talking about the different cities and towns that they go to. Morgan City's, I guess, about um hour, hour and a half from New Orleans. Uh, maybe it's not that far. Now that I think, well, not about an hour and a half. Now that I think about it. So yeah, I, I, I like the segment. Good stuff right there in the beginning, and um, even builds up JYD as a more of a baby face as, as if you really need to do that, but really good. You know, JYD, we've talked about it in that article where he beat out uh, Pistol Pete Maravich and Archie Manning as, you know, a top athlete in the area. I mean, he was as popular as it gets. You cannot stress that enough. You cannot stress that enough. I can't imagine right now the city of New Orleans doing that for a professional wrestler, which you just saw for JYD right there. They do it for football players and even basketball, the Pelicans or the Saints. But there's no way, even if your top star in the WWE or AEW was a New Orleans native, you would never see them give, give them the recognition that JYD just got right there, if I can make that small comparison. It would have been nice if JYD showed up, I don't know, wearing something a little fancier. He was wearing like, not a Hawaiian shirt, but I don't know what it was. But then he had his bag over his shoulder the whole time. It was kind of weird. That, that was the only weird part of the whole video. JYD just looked like he was in the airport <laughs> or something. <laughs> and someone shoved him into this room and said, take these awards. Yeah, he kind of was. I mean, I try not to look at the way he was dressed just from the time area back in, you know, that point in the 80s. But he definitely the had bag, uh, the bag over his shoulder the whole time. Yeah, that was the one that got me. I was like, why is he holding this bag like he's traveling through an airport with a laptop, even though laptops weren't a thing at the time? You know, he had his personal belongings. I don't know. That was that was kind of kind of weird. Well, coming out of that, we're going to go back to the desk. Boyd Pearson, Cowboy Bill Watts, shooting us to an interview with Reeser Bowden and the brand new Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions. Let's go to this. July the 24th in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the Fairgrounds Arena was excitement galore, pandemonium. 
The Mid-South Tag Team titles were won by Magnum T.A. and Hacksaw Dugan. Of course, Ted DiBiase is protesting it. He tried every move he could. He had Olympia not show up. He tried to have Bundy manage him. A lot of excitement, a lot of confusion. But one thing is for sure, Magnum T.A. and Hacksaw Dugan are the champions. And Reese Bowden interviewed him earlier. It's my pleasure to offer my personal congratulations to Hacksaw, Duggan, and Magnum T.A. because on July 24th in Tulsa, Oklahoma, these two men won the Mid-South Tag Team Championships. And I'm sure that the fans would all like to know what are your goals for from now on for the rest of the year. Well, you know, getting these belts was the greatest achievement I've had in my athletic career. And I know Jim and I are very proud of these belts more than anything I've ever done before. And I know we're going to defend these belts just like they were the most important things in the world to us. And I don't think it's going to, it's going to be just any little team that's going to come up and give us a challenge that it's going to take to take these belts away from us. Well, certainly the date won't go down as a date in infamy, but it's an important date for me and T.A., a man that I didn't know could get down and get dirty, but to my surprise, to my happy surprise, I'm glad he did. So we went out, we took these tag team titles with the support and the help of the people. So I was going to go lay up a cigar, but I quit smoking. But for some reason, I want to get that through. I want to get something straight right here and now. First off, the first thing Hacksaw Duggan wants to do is run Ted DiBiase clear out of Mid-South. I'm not talking about out of town, Reacher. Things have gone on long enough. DiBiase, pack your bags, because I want to run you out of town. Not out of town, out of Mid-South. And Akbar. I want you just one time, one-on-one -on -one right here on TV, and it'll be a Christmas present come early. An exciting team. They're ready for action. Let's go to Reese Bowden now in the ring to announce this next bout. Well, we'll get to that bout in a moment, but there it is, a promo. The new Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Hacksaw Duggan and Magnum TA. This is before Magnum started dressing as a biker. He's still dressing like Tom Selleck as Magnum P.I., right? Well, well, just a different look to Magnum than we would see in six months or a year. Yeah, it's, I think you nailed it. I can't really add much more to it. I, I was focused on Hacksaw Jim Duggan's hat since he doesn't smoke cigars. He point like, you can't see this in the promo, but he, <laughs> Duggan points at his hat as he's talking and he's got the hat on backwards and it is in on the hat. The graphic on the hat is lips and a cigar sticking out of the lips. Um, literally, it's a three-dimensional cigar uh, sticking out of the lips of the hat. So I guess that's the way Duggan celebrated. He put the hat on since he doesn't smoke cigars. He put the hat on with lips smoking a cigar. Uh, bizarre in its own right. But we have new Mid-South Tag Team Champions, Magnum TA, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And I guess we'll see where this goes uh, going forward. And as it was said in that, Clip, Magnum T.A. and Jim Duggan beat Ted DiBiase and Boris Zerkov to win the belts. Zerkov subbing for Mr. Olympia, who's now in Southeastern Championship Wrestling. He's gone from Mid-South. Although, according to the results I have, he did work. There was another show that day. It was Tulsa and Oklahoma City the same day. And Olympia did work in Oklahoma City that day against Ronnie Garvin, of all people, out of Georgia, oh. off Georgia TV. But Olympia, officially now gone from Mid-South Wrestling, no longer one half of the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions. So that's, that's an interesting result with him working with Garvin. I, I did not realize that. I will say this, to, to be fair and for consistency, 
they were switching Zerkov. Well, it, it had been it had been Olympia and Zerkov because DiBiase right. was hurt. But they had been switching them out, I guess, in you know, almost like free bar rules type thing. They had never called it that. But they had been switching out where Zerkov would defend the titles with Olympia. So or with DiBiase. So I guess it's fair. There's nothing wrong with the way they did it. For consistency purposes, Zerkov had subbed on that team a number of times well before this. Well, coming out of that interview, we get the first title defense on TV of the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions. Hacksaw Duggan and Magnum TA versus Larry Hare and Bill Rose. Rick Ferreira is the referee. In my notes here, and I want to know what you thought of this, and I encourage everyone to watch this match. I wrote, Hare and Rose can't work. And the match ends while Magnum is pinning Rose. Hacksaw shoots Spears' hair in the face at the finish. Now, this is one of those matches you watch, and you can see these guys. They have some of the basics down, but not all of them. T.A. and Duggan have to constantly go back to body slams, and then T.A. would do his drop kicks. But there's a lot of body slams in this match because that's the one move these guys don't mess up. What did you think of this match? Did you notice how out of place and how sloppy these guys were in the ring? Yeah, I certainly did. And it was obvious that they kind of had some basics down and like they kind of knew how to bump, like just, you know, just to go backwards and take a flat back bump. But they really didn't know much else. And like there's a sequence and I think you just even mentioned it, like Duggan Irish whips either rose or hair to give him a backdrop. And the guy went up like last week's guy, like a turd and just kind of fell to the side. Uh, it, like we saw the Davidson guy do last week. You know, Watts, I'll say this, even Watts on commentary, he says Duggan is a little frustrated with the competition out there right now. Like, like Bill, Bill can't even, Bill can't even like hold it in. Cause he's watching it on his television. He's like, what the hell is this crap? But that's all he said. Um, at one point, TA, at one point, TA does a leapfrog. Yes. And he falls down because the guy doesn't go down far enough. Yes. I had that note as well. He he certainly did. And what made me feel like Watts was just like, oh, God, I can't wait for this to be over is Watts also insane, making the statement that Duggan's frustrated. Watts just was much more quieter than normal. And the crowd was, too, which I attribute to the competition. They have no clue who these guys are. But it it was really sloppy. They They just didn't know what they were doing. And again, the finish of the match, Magnum TA pins Rose, Bill Rose, after a belly-to-belly, but while he's doing that Larry Hare in the far corner, Duggan runs across the ring and just spears him right in the face, knocking him down. We've watched Duggan for a long time. You could tell he's frustrated. You could tell he was like, you can't work. You've messed up this match. You're going down. And like I said, I encourage everyone to watch this match. You got to watch it. It's great in a horrible way, if that makes sense. Even a belly to belly. Like, if you go back and watch that, Magnum hits that guy with the belly to belly. And the guy just stands there. He He's just like, he sandbags him. They call it sandbagging. He sandbags him. He's just standing there. He doesn't go to help Magnum at all. And Magnum muscles him over. And you're right. Duggan spears the guy at the end. And he just, he full on football shoves him in the chest and sends him flying. It's really good in a bad way. In a bad way. Well, coming out of that match, we get our next match. Boris Zerkoff versus Mr. Wrestling 2, the national champion, with Johnny Martinez as the referee. Let's hear a little bit of audio from Cowboy Bill Watts, referring to last week's big tag team match. Of course, it was 
Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Johnny Rich versus Ted DiBiase and King Kong Bundy. And there was a screwy finish. Let's hear the cowboy about Dr. Death and Bundy, as well as referees in the Mid-South. That's a tough one to be against. As I say, coming up next, we got Steve, Dr. Death, Williams, and King Kong Bundy in a special challenge. Bundy claims that last week in the tag match, first of all, his shoulders weren't down. And upon reviewing the film, we had to agree with him. His shoulders definitely were not down. They weren't anywhere near down. You could have drove a Mack truck under him. Plus, also, what came to light was that Dr. Death was not the legal man in the ring. He wasn't even the legal man in the ring. Johnny Rich had been tagged into the ring. Now, again, as is Mid-South policy, a videotape replay does not cause a reversal of a decision, same as the National Football League or any other major sporting event. You can't change it just because the official made a bad judgment. That's part of the sport. You know, I get letters all the time from people saying, why don't you put two referees in there or get a different referee? Well, let me tell you, that's almost a part of it. That's just like a part of the human chess that makes up this king of sports is the people trying to get these referees out of position and take advantage of the situation. I'm sure if you wanted to, you could just put every match in a cage and no referee. But again, that's just not the way the contracts are signed. And it's up to these guys to try to maneuver their opponent into what's the best advantage for themselves. And wrestling too just shows you what's the best advantage for himself when he tees off of that knee lift. Anyway, Bundy has challenged Dr. Death Steve Williams. They've had a lot of verbiage between each other. A lot of insults have been hurled by Bundy. He wants him one-on-one, and we'll get a chance to see that. Well, there it is during Mr. Wrestling 2 versus Boris Zerkoff. The story of the match from last week, not only was Bundy not pinned, his shoulder was up. As Bill Watts said, you could have driven a Mack truck underneath his shoulder. We didn't even talk about the fact Steve Williams wasn't the legal man. I picture Bill Watts in the back, sitting down and actually literally reviewing the video and writing down, like, who's in trouble for what? And saying, he wasn't pinned. He wasn't the legal man! Like, that was probably a big revelation to him. What do you think of the explanation about what happened last week, how it's going to lead to what we see today, and also about the role of referees and instant replay in Mid-South Wrestling? Once again, it's very convoluted as to what actually happened versus what was supposed to happen last week. With all that said, because we've already talked about that a lot, I thought Bill Watts here was excellent, you know, saying upon further review, Bundy's shoulders were not down. You and I made that, said that last week. You could see that clearly. And he pointed out something we did not talk about, which I thought was excellent on his part. And I could see Bill Watts watching the replay. Watts was like, Dr. Death wasn't even a legal man. So all that confusion we saw, the decision still can't be overturned since technically there is no, you know, instant replay or replay in wrestling, but we will have them wrestle to settle things. So if there, let's assume, let's say this, Brian, if there was a botch and a mess up of some sort, you have to give Mid-South and Bill Watts a lot of credit for making up or not making up, but guiding the ship and making sense of the botch that we saw. Yeah, I thought Watts did a great job here of answering unanswered questions coming out of last week's show. No one even brought up, Bundy brought up at the end of the show that he wasn't pinned. We noticed he wasn't pinned. It's easy to forget that he wasn't, that Steve Williams wasn't even the legal man. Watts brings that up too. They've now built up anticipation for this match today in a great way, but let's talk about the result of this match. Mr. Wrestling 2 pins Bora Zerkoff with a knee lift. At this point, Bill Watts shoots once again to Reese Bowden 
interviewing King Kong Bundy. Let's go to this, and this is going to be in two parts. Everybody likes to see the super heavyweights hook them up. The Oklahoma Stampede against the Atlantic City Avalanche, the master of the five count. They were in a tag bout last week. Dr. Death Steve Williams surprised everybody in getting a fast count on King Kong Bundy. And little did we know, it was truly a fast count. And Dr. Death wasn't even the legal man in the ring. That doesn't take away. It still goes as a victory for Dr. Death and Johnny Rich. But Bundy's upset, had some words to say about it. Let's watch that now. Ladies and gentlemen, King Kong Bundy. I want everybody to see it, Reese Benton. I want everybody to see the most scandalous act in professional wrestling. The idea of Steve, Dr. Dummy Williams, counting my shoulders down for a three count. It's a farce. It's a joke. And now he's running around with his chest puffed out, telling everybody he beat King Kong Bundy. These jackals at Mid-South, they couldn't find anybody to beat me, so they had to rob me and they had to cheat me. I want everybody to see it right now and see exactly what happened and see how you could drive a freight train under my shoulders as a referee counted the three. And just as we talked about, and as King Kong Bundy mentioned, we get a recap of last week's match, Johnny Rich and Steve Williams versus King Kong Bundy and Ted DiBiase. Any thoughts on this before we play part two of this interview, Mike? I, I like the fact that Watts told us a second ago, hey, a Mack truck could have been driven through it. So now, remember, you don't have, you don't have replay, you don't have DVR, you don't have YouTube, you don't have the VHSs that you know we well we don't use VHSs today, but you don't have the means today to watch a replay as many times as uh you know back then you just couldn't you just couldn't view it. So I like the quick replay. Let's show what actually happened. Watts told us what happened. He said, "Oh, Doctor Death wasn't even a legal man." And Watts said, "Hey, Bundy's shoulders were up." So we we get to see it now and go, "Oh, okay, yeah, that does make a lot of sense." So I like the confirmation we receive from the replay based on Watts' explanation of what happened. After the recap, we hear a few more words from King Kong Bundy. Let's go to this. And Johnny Rich. You can see it right there. You could have driven a freight train under my shoulders. And Williams, you weren't even the legal man in the ring. Well, let me tell you something. Like I said, these jackals, that's all they are is jackals at Mid-South. They won't reverse this decision when they see that I'm right. They won't reverse it. So I'm going to reverse it today. I'm going to take you, Williams, and I'm going to give you the avalanche. No phony stampede. And I'm going to give you the five count. And I'm going to have you counted out right in the middle of the ring. And you can go back to the farm in Oklahoma and tell everybody you took a beating at the hands of King Kong Bundy. I'm not going to be cheated, and I'm not going to be robbed. I've got too much money. Well, you heard from King Kong Bundy, and what a thing about professional wrestling is you can always settle it man to man. Let's go to Reese Biden in the ring for the introduction. And then we go to the match, but any closing thoughts on that promo? Really good job by Bundy. Fired up. You believe him? You believe he's really upset? He's going to get the five count on Steve Williams? What are your thoughts on Bundy's promo here? Assuming we had, we really did have a botch and a mess up last week, like we, I think we believe we did. I thought Bundy was really good here. He's fired up and he's like, he didn't hit me with no ava. Even if he did hit me with that move, I got my shoulders up and he did. So he's not lying, but I thought he was fired up. The only thing I wished, man, I wish he'd have had the, the sports coat and a cigar like he did that one time during the promo. I thought that would have been a nice little touch to it. Uh, kind of, kind of with some smugness to it. That would have, at least for me, that's that would have made it a little bit better. But other than that, I'm nitpicking. Really, really good promo right there. Fired up from Bundy. And then we get the big match: King Kong Bundy versus Steve Doctor Death Williams. Alfred Neely as the referee. Let's go to the opening moments of this match. Well, they hooked up like two water buffalo. I guarantee you, 
There's no love lost between these guys. A lot of accusations. Bundy said Dr. Death was a disgrace to the New Jersey Generals of the USFL, and Doc said he went down on the boardwalk, and the things he heard about King Kong Bundy were things that made him ashamed of himself, to even be in the same ring or the same building with the man. He said the guy was a bully on the playground and did a few other things. So they've really been talking it up, and they're ready. The Oklahoma Stampede versus the Atlantic City Avalanche. 420 pounds of mass against 295 pounds of brawn. The knee in there, the experience factor on Bundy's side. Doc is still a little bit young with the professional rules. Went in for the single leg, took Bundy down. He got Bundy down, but that, that's a mistake, I, I think, with Doc trying to shoot in under that weight. He can get trapped. Well, there's the opening moments of the match, and it's one thing we see a few times in this match. It's a little awkward. Dr. Death takes Bundy down with a single leg. The first time is the most awkward. He does it a couple more times. But once he gets him down, he starts punching the leg, punching the knee. What did you think of that? What do you think of the opening minutes of this match? Uh, it's uh, like this is uh, what I've been saying. Like, Dr. Death is, he's just young, and he doesn't, he doesn't really know what he's doing yet. And that's okay. We, we all start, we all have to start somewhere. But it's, if you watch it with a critical eye and you're honest with yourself, it's not good. He just doesn't know yet what he's supposed to be doing at that point. And you're like, oh, he was a great amateur wrestler. You know, why couldn't he just go to the ground and do some amateur stuff to Bundy? I don't know. He could have, I assume. But yeah, the, the whole what he was doing with working a leg just really didn't look good at all, if we're going to be honest. Now, Oh, watch his comments, you know, where Bundy saying Dr. Death is a disgrace to the New Jersey generals. I love that. I thought that was great. And then I'm sorry, but I still laugh and chuckle when I hear that Dr. Death is walking on the boardwalk in Jersey, talking to people about Bundy and how bad of a person he is. Like he just randomly walking up to people. Hey, you know, who King Kong Bundy is. Yeah, I do. He's a, he's a bum. He's, he steals from people. He's a bully. You know, like, just just randomly walking up to strangers and asking them about King Kong Bundy. Oh, boy. That's, a, that's, that's great. I, I laugh every time I hear that. Well, let's hear some more audio from the match. Dr. Death Steve Williams versus King Kong Bundy. Bundy's got him up in the avalanche. Wow, 420 on him. There's Neely going one, two, three. Wait a minute, Bundy pulling him down for the five count. It doesn't count with Bundy unless he gets fired. Doc got out, Doc got out. That's the first man I've ever seen that's got out from under Bundy, and Bundy's hot. Neely said, no, sir, you didn't get a five count. You know, it doesn't count with Bundy unless it's a five count. That's in all his contracts. Doc's can feel the pain of that 420 dropping on him. He did the wise thing. He got out reconnoiter a little bit. Feel the timekeeping hammer was in the air to four count coming yeah. down, but he I did know. not make it I five. Thought he, I thought Doc had just gotten stuck real good, nearly counting him into the ring. Well, let's pause it there, Mike. Big moment. Again, it's been established since Bundy got there. It's in his contracts. He insisted. He doesn't want to win with a three count. He wants to win with a five count. And in this case, he pins Dr. Death for the one, two, three. Tells Alfred Neely to get down and keep counting, and Dr. Death becomes the first person to kick out of the five count. What do you think of that? I thought it was great because it, it feeds into the heel screwed himself here. You know, Bundy's been so arrogant with this five count over all his time in Mid-South that 
hey, you know, no, I, I'm going with the five count. I'm going with the five count. And we've seen it every single time Bundy goes for a pin, whether it's Alfred Neely or Ricky Ferrara or another referee in the match, we always see Bundy grab the ref after three and go, no, count two more. And then we get four and five usually. I mean, he even pinned Butch Reed like that. So, I mean, we've seen this a number of times. And I, I like how Bill Watts points it out. No, Bundy's even got it in his contract. He's got it in his contract that we've got to get a five count. So he screwed himself. And what's better than a heel screwing themselves back in the day? That's what made them the heel. It's like, ah, ha, ha, you wanted to get over. You wanted to do stupid stuff. Well, look, your own medicine just screwed you because that's what happened to him. His own medicine screwed him with the five count right there. He, he had Dr. Death beat, but he lost because of his own I guess, uh, arrogance with the five count. Let's now go to the last bit of audio, the finish of this match. We'll talk about it on the other side. There's Doc trying to get in the ring and Bundy attacking him. Bundy reaching down to slam him in. He slammed him, Doc held him, got the, Doc's got him down too. Doc almost had him. Doc almost had him, Bundy kicked out. I've got to admit, boy, I'm partisan. I like Doc. They're going toe-to-toe, these big behemoths smashing each other with forearm smashes, clubbing each other. Doc firing, he's backing Bundy up. Doc's picked him up. Doc's got him for the stampede. Doc's standing him. There's Zirkoff. Zirkoff going to get him. Doc's got Zirkoff. He slammed him. The Doc is on the stroll out there. The referee called for the disqualification, but Doc is showing what he's made of in the football field. Bundy's got Doc now. Bundy's going for the pile driver. It's been a disqualification. Bundy wants to energy. Doc! Doc got out of the pile driver. Look at Doc! Look at Doc! He got out of the pile driver. Bundy was trying to injure him. He knew the match was over. It's a disqualification for outside interference. Look at these fans. They're standing up. It's out of control down here. The match is over, but Doc is really planting them with those tackles. Zirkoff and Bundy. Zirkoff and Bundy are on the run. Zirkoff and Bundy are on the run. Steve, Dr. Death Williams cleared the ring. You saw outside interference of Boris Zirkoff resulted in a disqualification. There's a hand raise of Dr. Death Williams. We'll be back as action continues after this important Well, there it is. Fans going crazy. Dr. Death Steve Williams shows that he's as strong as King Kong Bundy. Probably would have beat him if it wasn't for the interference of Boris Zirkoff, creating a weird dynamic of the big bald guy and the little bald guy next to each other, I have to say, helping out King Kong Bundy. What do you think of all this, Mike? Did you catch, real quick, before I tell you a thought about the whole thing, did you catch the Duggan chants? I did. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, they they are they're they're chanting Duggan like it's it goes to show you how over Duggan is that when anything starts happening to one of the I guess you know main baby faces, all of a sudden out of nowhere it's like Duggan Duggan Duggan, and I said Duggan chance, but it was Duggan chance. It's amazing you you hear that loud and clear as Doctor Death is fighting off both of these guys. This is. It was a pretty good finish. I mean, you know, Watts gets out of it without anybody taking a pin, which I think is important for his business because then he can, you know, I, I haven't looked at the local results, but I'm sure they went around the horn with uh, him and Bundy uh, wrestling matches against each other and and helping. That would help Dr. Death learn as they, they went through the territory, getting more seasoning. Dr. Death looked a lot better here. I will say that. I thought he's, I feel like he's starting to slow down here. 
And I thought that really mattered. You heard the finish. I mean, we see a lot there. We we already talked about Bundy missing out on the five or, you know, losing. He basically lost the match because of the five count. But then Dr. Death does hit an Oklahoma stampede right before Zerkoff interfered. But I mean, Bundy's a big guy, so I don't want to criticize Dr. Death much. Dr. Death's a strong dude, but he, he, he has trouble getting Bundy over, kind of falls with him to the side, even though he did get him up for a second or two. But that's a big man to carry. And then from there on, you know, after Zerkoff interferes and Alfred Neely calls for the bell, DQ, do, and Steve's going to win. We see Dr. Death kind of clear the ring, and he's shoulder tackling both guys, hitting them with the football tackle. Both of them are taking bumps, flying into the corner. Uh, a good finish. You know, nonetheless, uh, I, I thought this was fine. No need to pin one of these guys at this point. But Dr. Death comes out looking strong because Bundy needed help so that he wouldn't lose. Coming out of that, we get a debut on Mid-South Wrestling. The Missing Link versus Bill Rathke with Rick Ferreira as the referee. We last saw Bill Rathke in a clip from Dallas in a handicap match against Kamala. The Missing Link, he's not full-on green yet. It's an early variation of the Missing Link persona. But this is one of those things sometimes people will poke Mid-South for. They'll say, all right, Mid-South is supposed to be serious and sports-based wrestling. How do they have a character like the Missing Link there? It's a good question. How does someone like the Missing Link end up in Mid-South wrestling? Let's hear an explanation from Cowboy Bill Watts. Rick Pereira called for the bell. It's a good thing. <laughs> That's a disturbed man. Ooh, a tremendous chop into the kidney area by the Missing Link or whatever you want to call him into Bill Rathke. We don't know who's booked this man here. Uh, Grizzly Smith made the arrangements contractually by the mail and back to a post office box. Like I say, the guy at times shows that he has uh, been a very great athlete with a lot of tremendous wrestling ability. And then other times he looks like uh, he just loses a little bit of the flow and uh, goes off kind of into a world of his own. Certainly a muscled up man, and it looks like he's in tremendous condition. Bill Rathke can't say the same. Well, there it is, a shot at Bill Rathke at the end about his condition. But once again, how did the missing link get booked here? Grizzly Smith, the matchmaker, made some kind of arrangement by mailing something to a P.O. box to book the missing link. So it's not just he showed up, we booked him. There's a little bit of a backstory there, and it's little details like that that I love from Mid-South Wrestling. What did you think of that, Mike? Well, who the hell gave him the P.O. box that he knew to write to to book this guy? And then they exchanged correspondence via mail. This is, <laughs> this is look, I, I applaud them for being creative with something that you could never present on television today. There's no way you're going to say, we booked them by P.O. box with all the means of communications we have today. Now, I will say this. Watts, if you remember... Watts always goes back to the P.O. box explanation of things. I mean, when we talked about like, you know, any of the mass men in Mid-South Wrestling, he's like, oh, we send the check to a P.O. box. Or when Ted DiBiase was like, who's that? Stagger Lee is the junkyard dog. And and Watts is like, well, how do you know it's a junkyard dog? Mr. Wrestling 2 is a mass wrestler. Mr. Olympia is a mass wrestler. You know who those guys are, too? And, you know, kind of just throwing that in the medicine. And then Watts will say, hey. With Stagger Lee, we send those checks to the P.O. box. So Watts has, you know, used that crutch before. I just thought that was hilarious. Grizzly Smith is booking this man via P.O. box. 
Good Lord. Something that would never fly today. Uh, very interesting, though. Uh, but again, I want to know who gave him the P.O. box if I did have a follow-up question. Uh, Link Link is a impressive-looking man when you talk about his, his muscles and his stature. I mean, he, he really really is a, a built well. And you're right. He doesn't have the, the green on him at this point that you would see in, I guess, later years. The missing Link ends up winning with, I guess the only thing I could say is a variation of the camel clutch. What would you call that finish, Mike? Uh, that's the exact thing that I had. I said he wins with a version of the camel clutch. That's the that's exactly what it looked like. Uh, it, it's kind of like a half camel clutch. I don't know because he's got he's got his he's got Rathke's left arm over his leg. If you remember when Iron Sheik we used to put the camel clutch in, he'd take both arms, put it over his legs, and then you know rear back on the chin. He's got it like a, a half camel clutch is the best way to describe it with Rathke on his stomach. Well, from there, we go to our next match, the North American champion Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Ken Johnson, Johnny Martinez, the referee. Let's hear some audio from Cowboy Bill Watts about Hacksaw Butch Reed, the junkyard dog, and what's going on. Hacksaw Reed, the North American champion. They had every dream he ever wanted has come true. And then that confrontation, that showdown between him and the junkyard dog, a two out of three fall match in the Superdome. New Orleans, Louisiana, on the 16th of July, Hacksaw Butch Reed became the North American champion. A lot of people say a tainted victory, but he said the dog tried to destroy him completely, lost his cool, went out as he has to go out. He says the dog has to go out hard and fast and, the, and get it over quick because he hadn't got the endurance anymore. That Reed's a fourth-quarter man. He can take him to the limit. Single leg by Ken Johnson. So the dog lost his cool and tried to beat him to death, and some people that didn't like the dog paid him back. But he said when it came down to the money fall, the third fall, he won it fair and square. I'll let you folks be the judge. I can't take anything away from that athletic ability. When a man that size can drop kick and move like he does, he's agile, he's fluid, he is in shape, he's a power lifter in college, an All-American football player, played for the Kansas City Chiefs as a linebacker. He's got the credentials. You know, he's hungry. He's hungry for fame and fortune. I think more than that fame. I heard him saying the other day that he's talking about Hacksaw Dugan. He says, before I'm through with Hacksaw Dugan, he's going to know who his master is. And he's going to call me sir. And I've never heard such explosive problems right there. You know, I tried to make a kind of a low profile when I was a North American champion because you attract enough action anyway that I didn't want to be stirring up anybody that wasn't already stirred up. You're going to be right in the center of things, Butch Reed. You're going to get more. Whoa, look at look how he held that man up there. I, I'm, I'm telling you, the athletic ability's there. The power's there. And he used that power, Bill. It resulted in another victory to his long skein to Hacksaw Butch Reed, a North American heavyweight champion. Tag team action coming up, and we'll be right back after this. Well, there it is, a victory for Hacksaw Butch Reed, showing a little more personality, too, just in the ring introductions. He's got his sunglasses on, he's got the headband, starting to introduce a lot of the things that we would know as the Hacksaw Butch Reed look, and I guess later even the natural Butch Reed's look. What do you think of this match, and of course the comments from Bill Watts about Hacksaw versus Junkyard Dog, as well as Hacksaw versus Hacksaw, Mike? I agree with you. You're starting to see a more charismatic butch reed and it's not that we haven't seen anything any charisma from him we've seen charisma but we're starting to see a little bit more charisma from him and i, I to me that's also a sign of him being more comfortable in who he is in mid-south and he's 
he's he's just adjusting and now you know he's like all right i'm the north american champion let me let me turn it up a notch and we're slowly starting to see that so i thought that was a, was a really good observation by you and any of the listeners out there you'll see it as well if you watch it again watts is talking about how dog doesn't have the endurance anymore and he's piling away at that which there's nothing wrong with it i just think it's interesting that he that he's saying that uh, Watts, he puts over Reed's size and agility and credentials. You know, he's putting over his champion. I love how Watts says, hey, you know, Butch Reed, you, you might want to stir up the hornet's nest, man. You're the champion. There's no need to call an extra attention to yourself. And he's absolutely right. But as a heel, that's exactly what Butch Reed needs to do because he's this arrogant heel. He's a champion now. Nobody's better than him. And like you said, Watts is planting the seeds of, of Reed telling Duggan that you know, Duggan will call him his master and sir soon. It's a, it's really a good segment on commentary from Watts, just building up his champion, making his champion not only the number one guy, but making him arrogant and charismatic. And then, you know, pl- just planting those seeds with what's going to happen with him and dog and, versus what's going to happen with Reed and Duggan as well. Coming out of that, we got our final match on this episode. Rip Rogers and Doug Vines, Team ICW. Versus Tim Horner and Art Cruz. Alfred Neely, the referee. A good match. It's always a good match when you have Horner in there and Rogers in there. But time runs out. We get no finish. Any thoughts on this? No, this match is just put at the end. I mean, look, it's obvious. It's put at the end of the card to finish off the TV time. Um, You know, Tim Horner looks really good. Art Cruz definitely looks a lot better in there when he's got somebody to work with. uh, With a guy like Rip Rogers. But I don't really have much from it. Oh, well, I'm sorry. One thing I do have. Well, Watts does claim next week Tommy Rich will be here taking on Kamala. So stay tuned to see if that actually happens. Wrestling 2 versus Bill Irwin, too. So stay tuned to see if that actually happens. So uh, Watts plants a couple of names and and seeds at the end of the, the show here. Well, remember, I think that's what Boyd was starting to say last week when Bundy interrupted him at the table at the end of the show was, next week, Tommy Rich, and then Bundy came out. So this is now two weeks in a row where they've said Tommy Rich will be on the show next week. Right. So he said it a couple of times. That's why I'm saying that's yeah. why I'm saying. Stay tuned to see if uh, that actually happens. <laughs> well, on that note, we wrap up another episode of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. Want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at Great Brian Last. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at Super Podcasts or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast. 605pod.com are available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Come listen to us at tinyurl.com slash bttpod or search booking the territory wherever you get your podcast from. We drop one main show a week. Sometimes we drop bonus shows now that we're done with our Smoky Mountain Wrestling recaps. But we are covering NWA Saturday night from the mid to late 80s now. We are into, should be into April of 1989 now as we record this. It's a really strange time on Saturday night on TBS because, you know, obviously we're into the Turner era and we, we're, we're, we're getting ready to close out the George Scott era and then we'll have Jim Hurd. And we're leaving the studio and going to center stage. So it's just really interesting as you watch it weekly. And we recap those weekly and and look at the changes and just how how the show changes so much. But again, 
It's signingurl.com slash bttpod or search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. We're the unprofessional wrestling podcast. The jokes are terrible. The language is strong, but it's still fun nonetheless as we talk classic Southern wrestling. Uh, Brian's been on a few times. We've had Dutch Mantel on recently. Uh, so we've had a number of old school guests on as I talk about that uh, on the show. Les Thatcher, One Man Gang, Tracy Smothers, just to name a few. Uh, but it's been fun. So come check us out. We definitely would appreciate it. And give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. Brian, another fun week. Like I told you when we were starting this or at the end of last uh, episode, I said, you know, it'll be cool to see how they cover what we thought was a botch. And I, I really do. I want to put that over again. It was a really, really good way that assuming it's a botch that Bill Watts, you know, tied it all together and made sense out of it. So again, credit Mid-South again for something that may not have been planned, but ended up making sense the way they worked it into this week's episode. I completely agree with you. Another good week of wrestling action. Of course, new tag team champions, explanations all around about this Dr. Death and King Kong Bundy thing. And we'll see what happens next week on the show. But until then, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nacarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Tally-ho!